Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Sans Pants Radio, now 100% irony-free. Suddenly fact, but I feel stranger than fiction, I'm new, but I'm suddenly back. I'm a walking contradiction. Hey, what's Pac-Man, everybody? Welcome to the Cynical Cartoons Podcast, where today I'm talking about Steven Universe with my partner, Reed Ashley, who uses he, him pronouns. This episode is going to go heavy into spoilers for both the show and the recently released movie, so if you don't want to hear those, listen back later. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at StopTweetingMia. If you like this episode, please rate and review us on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Cynical Cartoons for another week. As always, I'm your host, Mia Marchant. My pronouns are she, her. And I'm here if you need to talk. I'm really nervous. You honestly. Nervous. No, it's absolutely but, about recording this episode, though. Yeah, I think that it's hard to do things on the podcast that I care about. That means something to you. Yeah, and it, when it's like when you're watching Bigfoot or you're watching... <laughs> You know, Rocco's Modern Life, that was a really great episode because yeah. I don't really have much of an attachment to that show. Sure. And it's not like I was like trying to tackle something that I had been watching for years and that was a big part of my queer journey and my mental health and me realizing that I was queer or realizing that I was trans and Steven Universe is all of those things. Sure. And it's something that's like so important and so powerful and I've been binge watching it the last four days. You know, it's funny because like you talk about how hard it is for you to talk about that on mic, but in real life, you won't shut the fuck up about it. I know. It. <laughs> no, I know. You were like live messaging me all today. Right. About like fucking. The wedding episode. Yeah, you were like live. You were like, oh, Spinel is so, Spinel deserves. Oh, there's there's, there's going to be a lot of spoilers in this episode, everybody. If yes. you haven't seen the movie, if you haven't seen the entire show, we're going to talk about all of it. So yeah. be ready for that. <laughs> We're going to talk about everything in depth. <laughs> no, Did I mean, Rose I mean, this make her own vagina. Oh my God. <laughs> we'll what? talk about it on this episode. <laughs> this, this seems like the episode to address mm-hmm. that lately on the podcast, like since I came back from hiatus, it's been kind of hard to do. I like doing the podcast. I love doing it. It's really fun. And it's, it brings me a lot of fulfillment, but it also brings me a lot of panic attacks and stress and stress and anxiety yeah and, and it's sometimes this weird... we sit down to record and you have to go lay down for just half cry an hour. for a really long time <laughs> yeah no and that happened last night uh-huh. 
and we didn't record and that yeah. happened tonight and we almost didn't like it sucks to be able to talk about shit that doesn't matter yeah and it's very very easy mm-hmm. and then to talk about this show which i have been just ranting about for years mm-hmm. it's true and it's not like every time i talk about the show i can confirm at least i break down year. yeah <laughs> at least year <laughs> great job you've known me for a year good uh-huh. for you yeah it's been a good year <laughs> But I don't know. Rewatching the entire thing has just been really a fulfilling experience. Sure. It's like when I watched through it the first time, I think that I got caught up to where the show was at when it was in the middle of like the big hiatus time, you know, uh-huh. like this is a post apocalyptic yeah. <laughs> This is a post-apocalyptic society of back Steven in the Universe. time of the big hiatus. <laughs> yeah. And so like I, I caught up on the entire show and then I was like, when's the next episode coming? And it's like three and a half months. And then I kind of maybe caught up after. But it was like Mm. this weird thing of me for a while being like, yeah, I've seen every episode twice. And I love the show. And it's very important to me. You've never like watched it all at once or. No, no, no. I I have now. Oh, I I did when Change Your Mind came out, when the finale of the show came out. Yeah. But like my first time around, there was a point where I was like, I really, really love Steven Universe. But I don't think I can call myself a fan because I don't know what's happening anymore. Like, I would watch new episodes and I'd be like, there would be like some huge reveal, you know, like, again, spoilers, turn off the episode if you haven't seen the show. But like the thing with Rose killing Pink Diamond. Herself. Yeah. She faked her own death. Yeah. And it was like, I saw that and I was like, wait, we didn't know that already. I was like, didn't everybody know that? Stupid idiots. You didn't know that. And it's like, well, that wasn't revealed in the show. I just had no idea what was a reveal and what wasn't because I forgot things that were important and didn't know things you know Mm -hmm. well that's the fun thing is like so i started watching it in 2014 it must have been like early 2015 um and college a bunch of my like college friends were like hey you should watch this show that was like right when it came out right it started in 2014 yeah so it's like halfway through season one okay when i started right and did you just like watch them non-sequentially on cable or did you get to see them online okay no we watched it online mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm winking um <laughs> you didn't watch it online <laughs> no well, are you saying you didn't watch it online Reed? <laughs> we watched it <laughs> legally ah, that's what i meant you sounded like paradox there Mm-mm. i don't <laughs> want to sound like paradox i Too love paradox i don't want to sound like paradox yeah anyway um who do you want to sound like on the show let's just talk about voice goals real quick steven Okay. I definitely want to sound like movie Steven. I want to sound like Steven. Amethyst. I want to sound... Amethyst is her alley. Yeah, she's got a good voice. Really? Because I think Dee Dee is like... She's Pearl. annoying. She plays though. Pearl. But like, yeah, yeah. Pearl's voice. Like, um, her voice is kind of like annoying on purpose. It's yeah, really like she, she's a little like momly. But like her singing voice is like so gorgeous. Yeah, it's good. That's not how I would want to sing though. I loved her singing voice. I like... Yeah, but, but she's, I, she's very I also, like theatrical, like stage, yeah, stage. Yeah. And I'm not yeah. really like that. That's true. You cannot... Amethyst is sort of punk Singing rock. that way. Yeah. <laughs> I just roasted you. Sorry. I don't care. <laughs> no, I know. You you roasted me by saying that I'm not theatrical. I auditioned for every school musical and didn't get one of part. So well, like, yeah, okay. okay. Yeah. I'm not theatrical. I get it. Okay. Um, Jesus, fuck. <laughs> I just think I liked Pearl's songs because they were within my vocal range. <laughs> yeah. And they were all about gay shit. Yeah. Every single one of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. It was very relatable. It was very wholesome. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but I started watching it. I started watching it in 2014. And so I've sort of like watched it through all of the up and ups and downs. I've been like, I would say 
involved in the fandom from an outsider's perspective. I would say involved in the fandom sounds bad. No, I know. That's what I'm saying. An outsider's perspective. <laughs> okay. It was like I was on the shore of an island just like watching a ship wreck itself and then re-emerge from the depths. <laughs> and now all the pirates are and ghosts. Then and then wreck itself they, yeah. and then re-emerge from the depths right. and like harass storyboard artists off of Twitter for drawing ships and thinking that Onion is Yellow Diamond and all of this like weird fandom shit that I like know about, but I was never like in the fan. I was never like actively engaging with anyone. I just knew about all of this shit, but mostly because my roommates knew about all this shit and like talked about it a lot. That was a really interesting thing about watching the show this time around was that I was binging it. But as I was watching it on Hulu, I was like reading all of the discussion posts on Reddit. And so I was seeing from what people thought of episodes five years ago, four years ago, three years ago, mm-hmm. and like just realizing what people didn't know at the time, where people would be like, there's a yellow diamond. I'm like, oh, no, I didn't know you didn't know that. Even I more that like, like Garnet's Effusion, there yeah, are right. diamonds. Yeah, right. Well, that's the thing is like the whole show is like set up so interestingly and it like progresses so naturally. Right. And you like learn as Steven does. And I think that's such an interesting and like unique way to like sort of create a show is that we only know as much as Stephen does and Stephen really doesn't know that much. He was raised by his dad. He doesn't know that much about the gems. Yeah, and I think that that sort of leads to the show not being all that interesting in season one. Like the first half of season one. It's really one, just about Stephen. Yeah, it's about Stephen, but it's about Stephen going off and like fucking around. Sure. And sort of just being an annoying little kid. And that's fine. Like that's what the show is. That's what Stephen is. And that, that shows his progression as the show goes on because by the end of season five and with the movie... He is the leader of the Crystal Gems. Like he is so there for every decision and everybody trusts every decision he makes. Even when he doesn't know the right thing to do, he does it and it it works out for the better. And that's so interesting to just watch like a character just like power level their way through an entire through a show in that way. You know, yeah. and there's there's real efficacy in storytelling. Like they have 11 minutes every week mm. and they always tell a concise story. There were episodes that I skipped when I was rewatching. I was like Frybo, I don't know. <laughs> Come on, Frybo, Frybo. Yeah. is an important cultural. Frybo figure. is important to watch the first time you watch the show. <laughs> it's horrifying. <laughs> it's a terrifying but, episode. But I think that what they do though that's really brilliant in those early episodes is that like every time that there's an episode that feels like filler, as long as it's not the one with Uncle Grandpa in it, there's a moment. Well, even the one that even that one, there's a moment that like you need to know for mm. the future. Mm-hmm. Like even in that episode, Stephen learns how to bubble, I think, or learns how to use his shield. Mm. And it's like, wow, you managed to just like sh- throw in a super important character moment in the middle of this shitty crossover episode that everybody hated. <laughs> well, that's the thing, though. I mean, they bring it up like in the finale, like not in the finale, in the movie, like that's the whole theme of the show. That's the whole theme of Steven as a person is change. That's just a really like powerful idea to have as a show of like change and growth. And also like, it's so much about relationships and how the characters interact with each other and grow and become, you know, better people. That's a really, really good message to have for like a kid's show. Well, and that that is the central theme of the movie, but it's also the central theme of the show. They say it over and over and over again. Like, mm-hmm. Rose destroyed her physical form to become half of Steven because she loved that that was somebody who was who would be constantly changing mm-hmm. and constantly growing. Mm-hmm. And that is really interesting to see in a show that also, like, 
tackles a lot of themes of like queerness and chosen family and like pacifism, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. loving and caring and trying to reach out and being emotionally available and vulnerable in that way. I don't know. I think that the show for me has just been like really important because as far as representation of queerness on TV goes, you don't really see all that much. And you see a lot more nowadays than you used to. You say nowadays, this means like today versus like five years ago. Right, exactly. Like so much has happened in the past like five fucking years. Exactly. And I mean, it's 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 so interesting that like children's media, I think, has tackled those topics so much more concisely than adult media has. Mm-hmm. And in a way that makes you feel like embraced by it. Mm-hmm. Like the Steven Universe, sort of like the series finale, quote unquote, uh, change your mind, like the four parter at the end of season five is just such a brilliant like breakdown of like what it means to have a chosen family and what it means to like come out to your family and for them to completely disregard your identity. Like that's a complete trans allegory. Oh, for sure. That entire episode. And it's about a lot of things. Like it's about like, you know, teaching people that they can't be perfect and all of these different things. But I read it as Steven goes to Homeworld and he says, hi, I'm Steven. I'm not Pink Diamond. And they're like, oh, okay, Pink, you're so silly. Ha ha. And like misgender him all the time. And they're like, oh, Steven, that's funny. Stop playing the silly game. Right. You're not being the person you're supposed to be. This is not your role. That's the whole right, thing. Exactly. Like. Yeah. And, and for a long time, he tries to play into that role in that whole arc. He like is trying to convince them that he is who he says he is, but he's also like trying to be the person they want him to be. Well, I think he's trying to figure out. I feel like I remember like I was listening to um, the Rebecca Sugar like podcast episode. Um, like the, the Steven Universe, podcast. Steven Universe yeah. podcast. Yeah. She was talking about like how up until that point, you know, Stephen, I think, was afraid that if his gem was removed from him, that it would just be Pink Diamond, that he was like holding her back for some reason. Or like, you know, as an audience, we didn't know and neither did Stephen what was going to happen. You know, like we didn't know if he was his own person. Right. And I feel like that was hard, you know, when they're like talking about like, oh, you know, you remember things she did that no one else knows about. You must be her. And I think it's a trans allegory, but it's also has a lot to do with like, you're not your parents. Yeah, it definitely does. And it has a lot to do with like, even on a very, very basic level, like kids getting gaslit by their parents. Mm. And like, yeah, your parents know a lot more than you when you're 12 years old. But you also know things about yourself that your parents don't know when you're 12 years old. Okay. You know, and it is important to like be able to, I don't know, respect your kids and believe that they know how they're feeling. Sure. And a lot of the times being a young person is just like not easy. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard. Yeah. I mean, parents are people and a lot of times they're doing their best and they're not always good at that. Right. But praising a person is hard. (laughs) I don't know. I just think that the show has so much like authenticity behind it. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of moments that even watching them a third or fourth or fifth time still make me cry. And like not a lot of TV makes me cry. Oh, all TV makes me cry, but also Steven Universe makes me cry. (laughs) That's my... (laughs) Right. Well, I mean, because I was watching Mindful Education. That's the episode with Here Comes a Thought. Oh, with a song yeah, here comes a thought. Yeah, yeah. And that episode is all about like 
people dealing with PTSD and dealing with panic disorders and dealing with like feeling like they're a horrible person because of something that they did mm-hmm. and feeling like really overwhelming thoughts and how to deal with that, you know? Mm-hmm. And also like how to deal with that in a relationship. Right, exactly. And it's really wrapped up in like this whole idea of like fusion, which is such an interesting concept that the show has of like, yeah, it's like allegorical of a relationship of two people making one thing, mm-hmm. but it's also just like its own beautiful thing. Like in the movie when they when Garnet finally like comes back when Ruby and Sapphire fuse like that moment is just so gorgeous and I just cried and cried I got goosebumps thinking about it that's not a joke yeah I did actually and and that's the thing is like like I was just saying like not only did the show make me cry because those moments are so genuine and so beautiful and just like you know feel for me as the audience member but like on a third or fourth or fifth watch they still affect me in that way which is just like so wild. It's a good show. And the music is 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 jamming. It's good. <sighs> the music made me learn ukulele. Because <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to learn how to play Rebecca Sugar music. <laughs> Fucking Adventure Time and Steven Universe. <gasps> Rebecca Sugar is Rebecca just such Sugar's a powerful, powerful person. Yeah, I was gonna and say it's powerful. And it's, That's the word I was going to use too. <laughs> it's so funny because like I don't think that it did all that well in its first season. Mm. I don't think that it like found the audience they wanted it to. I don't think that it... Really? Did for a while. Yeah, I don't it took, think that's true. I think it took a while, and I think people were afraid that it was going to be canceled constantly. Like the episode where they first introduced Lapis was supposed to be the series finale. They thought that was it. What? Yeah, exactly. That's wild because that's just like so nothing as a show, and and it's so funny because I think that Cartoon Network was like, okay, we'll take a chance on this woman creating a series, like the first series on Cartoon Network created by a woman, because like Lauren Faust like co-created some stuff. This was the first one. And then it turns out that she's like the queerest motherfucker on the face of the earth. And she's like, they're going to kiss and they're going to get gay married. And there's nothing I was you gonna say, do about She wanted it. to make like <laughs> Ruby and Sapphire get gay married episode like three. Yeah. She wanted to make it really early in the series. And yeah. they, they pushed back a lot. Yeah. Which that episode like changed my fucking life. I had a phase in college. And I think specifically how I phrased it was I just got really obsessed with lesbians like really into that shit and so like ruby and sapphire was sort of like right right at the heat of me being like i'm a lesbian you know i'm definitely not (laughs) really just like i don't know like embracing that i can like girls and it's okay right like i can be who i want to be and it's okay and i feel like there are a lot of shows I mean, like, Adventure Time, I feel like, was more instrumental in that for me. But that was just because when I was binging it was, like, the summer. I was like, oh, God, I'm trans. Oh, God. Right. (laughs) You know? And, like, Steven Universe, considering the effects it had on both of us. Exactly. In our our 20s. Adults. Well, and, and that's the funny thing is that, like, it helped me really embrace my sexuality a lot of that is because I didn't know any other out queer people. Mm. Like I knew I had really good friends in my hometown that have since like come out as queer and as trans. And Mm. like, I couldn't talk to them about that at the time. I didn't know that about them or really about myself because like I didn't have somebody to look at and be like, yep, that's, I'm like that person. And then you met me. Yeah. And so I just think, I I mean, we talked about it in the Rocco's Modern Life episode, but that is really important for children's media to be able to do that. Yeah. To be able to show people in a very G-rated way, like, this is okay, and this is normal, and this is something that you are allowed to be. So when 
in the show was the exact moment that you were like, oh God, I'm bisexual? Was there a point? I don't, I don't think so. You I think, think so? no, I think that I knew was that just for a feeling. I think that I knew that for a really long time. Yeah. I think that I didn't ever attach like a label to it, but I think that I knew that since I was like, I mean, you've very, been very early puberty, basically telling everyone since exactly, very early yeah, puberty yeah. that you were bisexual, but people about, just didn't fucking get it. Yeah. I would joke about like being attracted to men and being attracted to women and people would just be like. The fuck's all right what are you talking about like <laughs> yeah. okay i i would say all the time i'd be like i would be gay if i didn't like girls so much <laughs> it's just like such a such a bisexual and like somebody should have said at any point in my life because i said that like 50 times before i ever came out and nobody was ever like maybe you're like bisexual like no nobody it's just such a such a wild thing to say and i didn't even know what that really was and so like watching the show it was less me realizing that I was bisexual and more me being like, well, that's an okay thing to be. Sure. Like, that's a thing that I'm comfortable being. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it was similar with me of like, I can like girls and that's okay. And I was already out as bisexual at that point, you know, but I think I took a little while to figure that shit out and like explore it and like right. figure out like who I wanted to be. I think it was like a solid two years between me coming out as bisexual and then me like actually like trying to do anything with a girl at all in any way, shape or form. Right. And I like ended up like kissing a girl at a club or whatever. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. Does your mom know? I have a girlfriend. Oh yeah. And it's you. Oh yeah. (laughs) I forgot. Yeah. Hey, you're my girlfriend. Oh, cool. (laughs) Yeah, I did it. That's great. Um, but I think like, I don't know, it just let me like embrace who I was. And I think I, I aggressively course corrected for a little bit where I thought I was lesbian for a bit because I mean, a lot of that also had to do with like gender identity of like, I didn't like being treated like a girl. So I was like, oh, maybe I can be the guy in a relationship with a girl (laughs) without really like grasping that mentally without like thinking that exactly. Right, but that exactly. was really the root of it. In the same way that for years I was like, I'm not a cis guy, but like I'm not a trans girl. Like yeah. in the same way yeah. that I was like, someday I'll deal with this. But for now, no, no, no. Right. Especially since like, I don't know, just like a lot of my dynamics, a lot of my relationships in the past, I was always very much a girl in those relationships. And I was deeply unhappy in them and I couldn't figure out why. And I thought I was me and I thought it was just like me being broken. And then I started to like, try to explore anything with girls and I felt the same way. (laughs) Right. And I was like, oh God, what's wrong with me? You know what I mean? And it's very much like, oh, it's because I'm not a girl. And and that's what's so interesting, I think, about the show is that it gives you sort of like a crash course in like what queer relationships can be like and what queer people can be like. Yeah. Like Stevani is non-binary, they them pronouns and just is very very good as yeah. a character they're just like so just good just yeah, very good they're adolescent yeah and everyone like, thinks they're hot as fuck <laughs> yeah <laughs> they're universally just like so so loved mm-hmm. and adorable and also they hate kevin <laughs> <laughs> and then like ruby and sapphire's relationship like when they're separated like i think overseas in russia and in some other countries where like homosexuality isn't as okay as it is in America. They have Ruby voiced by a dude. Exactly. And they like drew like facial hair on her and they're like, yeah. And they're like, she's a boy. And so 
when the when, fucking wedding episode. Yeah. And so when the wedding episode came around, they were like, how do we get around this so that people can't censor this out? They're like, okay, we're going to put the character who's generally coded a little bit more masculine in a wedding dress and the other one Which in like really, a suit. And also suits them like somehow. Right, like right. it also just makes sense for their characters. And, and that's the thing is that the show, like even when it has queer couples, they're not like coded in a way that's stereotypical yeah because it's created by queer people like they know what it's like to be in those kinds of relationships and to be you know trans and non-binary and genderqueer and whatever russia did the same thing with sailor moon i'm gonna talk about that's, sailor that's moon. what i was thinking okay. exactly i read with that sailor today uranus. and i was like okay they made that yeah it was like somebody's cousin right it was sailor well no that was the american version Oh, okay. Sailor, so we're just as bad. Yeah, Sailor Uranus <laughs> and like the in the four kids dub, Sailor Uranus is Sailor Neptune's cousin, even though they're very clearly like dating and in love. And I think they make no, I don't think they kiss on the show, right? But they do like talk about how in love they are with each other. And in the Russian version, since Sailor Uranus is like really androgynous, Sailor Uranus is voiced by a guy, but then she transforms into a magical like girl has boobs and has a skirt and is clearly a like a, a sailor scout right so it's such a well, strange choice them like trying to figure out how to navigate like gay people and it's so strange to see the way that people interact with that like trying to make content that will reach people on a world basis you know yeah like they talked about that with Adventure Time a lot. They didn't want to confirm a queer ship on that show because they had a big Russian audience and they wanted to be able in to China. play in Russia and China. Yeah. But and Marvel has talked about that too. Like they didn't want to have queer characters because they would have to censor it out for Russia. And it's like But that's the thing. Here's the thing. They don't censor it for Russia. Russia censors it for them. Right. They exactly. played motherfucking Rocket Man, which is about Elton John, who is gay. Who's that? Oh, yeah. He's a, he's a gay man? Yeah. Yes. He's a gay... Okay. Hey, Elton I've John never heard gay. of him before. They played Rocket Man in Russia and just censored out the gay sex scenes. And it's like, okay, that's a lot of the movie and that's bad. <laughs> but also, like, they played it Didn't in Russia. did they also take out the drugs? Yeah, they yeah. also took out So what him. A, what is that movie then? Not it's 10 minutes nothing. long. Yeah, it's... <laughs> it's it him as a kid and then sense. it ends. Yeah. <laughs> And then it's him at Alcoholics Anonymous yeah. talking about how he used to do drugs. No, he can't talk about how oh, he used okay. to do drugs. Okay. It's him talking about how he's sad. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's great. They dubbed but it like, to be a therapy session. <laughs> but like, that's the thing is like, like they're still going to fucking play these movies. They're not going to make less money in China because it's censored. That doesn't yeah. make any sense I mean, and, and, because and, and they I think... take out the gay shit. That doesn't make it, it's just like an excuse to not include those characters. It's an excuse to not make that monetary risk. I think I think that's the thing is I think it was a scapegoat. Like I think that from what we've seen of like how these studios work and everything, like the way that Rebecca Sugar's talked about it, mm -hmm. or the way that anybody's talked about a project that they wanted to make queer characters and got pushback from, the creatives involved in these projects want to be able to do that. Yeah. And then it's just like one crotchety old white man well, in the studio who's like, mm, or two or three or four. But a lot of the time it's just like one Ike Perlmutter that's like, no female superheroes. Catwoman did bad in the box office. And then that didn't happen at Marvel for like 10 years because that one dude is like, they don't sell. 
So, you know, like Rebecca Sugar talked about how long she had to work to get the wedding episode through on the show mm-hmm. because of so much pushback from the studio. And it's like, yeah, they can say Russia and China and whatever they want. But like, really, it's because they don't think that it's okay for a G-rated show to have those things. Yeah. I mean, if Pride is any like example of this, the gays finally have the corporate money, which isn't like great, <laughs> but like capital, like capitalism can be supported by the homosexual agenda at long last and i think that's why they feel okay putting like gay shit in media i talked about that a couple weeks ago as long as we are of monetary value to yeah. like the corporate system yeah we'll continue to see like representation more and more which i guess <laughs> yeah. i guess so this is the right. show i thought it was so funny that the show used to be like a podcast about rick and morty and now it's just like about queer analysis of children's media and anti-capitalist. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know. <laughs> it's really hard to say a favorite episode of the show, but I really enjoyed um, re-watching the episode where they go to the rock show and Pearl oh Pearl finds the, the dummy thick, yeah. pink-haired, dummy thick. punk girl who looks like Rose Quartz, and she's just like, Wah! the entire time is so good. Yeah. My favorite is the episode with like Pearl and they find out like how Rose Quartz killed Pink Diamond and like that episode was just like so like here's Pearl the most disaster gay human being on fucking planet earth and it's so good and that episode made me cry so hard and I like rewatched it like three times after it came out Pearl's like probably my favorite character on the show I love yeah, her so I, much. I think that she's one of the characters that really takes some time to grow on people. Yeah. And like, I love everybody on the show so much. It's so incredible when they have an episode like the finale or with the movie where everybody gets a time to shine. Mm. And you're like, wow, Lapis Lasley has really grown since she came on the show. <laughs> yeah. Or Peridot or Garnet or Amethyst or Pearl or anybody. Let's talk about the movie a little bit. Yeah. The movie's fucking great. Yeah. It's so good. The music is incredible. It's like a musical-ass musical. It's a full-ass musical. And which that is, I appreciate. Which is amazing because um, Rebecca Sugar was talking about how she has always like wanted to do like a full musical. And she did it. Mm-hmm. She made a whole fucking movie. And it's beautiful. Right. It's it looks amazing. so good. Like They yeah. had so much more money and time yeah. to do it yeah. as opposed to the show. I don't know. And I just really connected to the story on like such a level of like, Mm -hmm. it just hit me in a good way. Uh, Yeah. It's like two years later, two year jump. Right. That's great. That like Steven, like there's a a new status quo and And a deep voice. When the show comes back, it's going to be a lot different. I'm excited about that. I kind of wished that he would have done that after he reformed when they took his gem out and change your mind. Mm. But I get why he didn't like they wanted him to come back just as he was, because that was the whole question of like, if you took his gem out, would he come back? Right. As Steven. Mm-hmm. Um, How many years do you think passed in his body? So he went from like 12, right? To like 16. Now he looks like a 16 year old. Yeah, I guess that he was supposed to be like 12-ish because when Connie learned that he was 14, she was like, what? She was like, you're older than me? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like he stopped aging because there was like that book where he just like stagnated at like 10 or 11. Right. And he just stopped aging for a while, which is funny because I feel like his personality grew and changed so much over the course of the show. Right. It's kind of funny that like he didn't grow. And I kind of expected them to do like an Adventure Time kind of thing where like the actor playing Finn grew up and instead of like making him just do the same voice they were like just be 
we'll age the character up yeah. every year. He'll get older. I really liked that. And I, I like the way they did it here too, mm-hmm. but I do feel bad for the actor. Zach Gallison, I think his name is. It just yeah. like had to be little forever. Be yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and like sing and just have such a range of like, also, yeah, his singing, singing as a 12 year old, his singing oh, in the was movie, so good. good in the movie. Yeah. Like it's so amazing. Like, cause I feel like his singing has gotten a lot better and I feel like there was part of like, an authenticity to it in the early, like in right. the early show. Right. Like, early Stephen definitely is like an immature little kid and you right. can feel him growing as the actor is like mm-hmm. 18, still playing a 12 year old. You're like, <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Yeah. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend, but what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive & June gives you Everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Uh, yeah, and you can tell that they really, like, had something they wanted to say with the movie. Yeah. Like, Spinell's whole story is just, like, so incredible, that character. Mm-hmm. They're dealing with, like, abandonment. Mm-hmm. And they're dealing with, like, obsessive personality. And being hurt and, like, breakups... Right. You know, I feel and jealousy like, of mm-hmm. like even seeing people with other friends and mm-hmm. not feeling OK with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like I mean, I, I thought about this a lot during the movie is that it's very much about like Spinell growing and learning that it's OK to let go and it's OK to like be loved by other people. And, and I, I, I know somebody I was following on Twitter was talking about how she was on Spinell's side and Steven was kind of a dick to her the whole thing like right. the whole, and, and the whole movie is. but it's so it's such a hard like it's nothing is black and white about Steven Universe and I think that's why I appreciate it so much right is because like they handle things in such like grayscale of like of course Steven is pissed off with her she's like, trying to destroy the world yeah like, even she if did. she doesn't she remember a, it yeah, yeah she set up a drill that's going to destroy the world because of something somebody did to her 6,000 years ago who isn't and, even alive anymore right exactly and she said specifically I came to the world to fuck with a bunch of strangers yeah like, that's what she says at the end yeah and Spinell's arc is just like so tragic because 
the entire show, like we said earlier, is about growth and about change and about being able to learn by being around people who are weird and different from everybody else. Yeah. And learning how to be yourself. Mm. And instead of doing that, they just like left her in the dust to just sit around for 6,000 years and do nothing. Well, it's it's so hard, too, because like it's it's a complicated subject where it's like, okay, Pink Diamond fucked up yeah. for sure. A but, lot. Well, she's done it over and over and over yeah. again. She's kind no, of No, I know. But like it's it's still like it's not her fault that Spinell was like the whole show is about breaking roles is about is about breaking what you're designated to do you right. know like the whole thing is every gem has a purpose and you have to follow that purpose there are literally gemstones that are like doors and shit you right. know and, and so, walls yeah it's so weird in the movie you see they go to yeah. homeworld and there's just like gemstones in the walls like looking at steve and he looks up at them and they're like oh and they look away yeah and you're like oh you just like have to do nothing yeah and that's their job is to be a wall and so it's so weird of like you know like spinel is essentially a toy who is a human being right and like basically they took pink diamond and they put her in a garden and they were like here go play have fun behave yourself here's this toy right you know and it's not like pink diamond's fault that spinel was created and was treated like a toy and like i understand that like her entire character is like about compassion but for the first time she was offered an opportunity to like grow up and i feel like she felt like she couldn't do that with spinel because spinel was entirely like reminiscent of her childhood and of who she was and not of who she wanted to be right and that's not fair to spinel certainly but i feel like it's far too black and white to say that it's entirely like pink diamond's fault not that it's spinel's fault right exactly it's not the show deals with like such complex ideas yeah. in a way that you don't really see dealt with in sure. media a lot. Like the whole thing with Spinel is that like, yeah, we feel really, really bad for her. But I feel like depending on your life experiences, you're going to feel one way or another about Spinel. Mm-hmm. Like I do feel really, really bad for her. But from Steven's perspective, like I've been in that situation before. Mm-hmm. I've known people that try very, very, very hard and are very possessive Mm -hmm. that like really want to be your best friend and like just push and push and push and push and push, even though you don't really know them that well. And like really they like want to buy you things and they want to do everything for you and they want to spend all their time with you. And if you spend time with other people, they get very jealous and possessive about that. Right. And I feel like it's important. This is like after like this is after she's reformed. This is like after she's gone through the trauma of being broken by pink like diamonds like that's the whole thing is it's like this is a result of trauma this is a abandonment issues this is the source of why people are like this and i think it's important to like add empathy for like why this character is scared of losing steven as soon as she has him is because she's afraid of you know, like going through the same thing that she went through already. She's afraid of like, right. that's that's why is because she's afraid that he'll, you know, leave her for these other friends that Pink Diamond left her for. Well, and that's the thing is that it is like this really toxic relationship, but it's important to recognize what they're doing with that character, yeah. which is that both facets of Spinel are part of who that person is. Mm-hmm. Like, when I've dealt with that in the past, it's like, okay, this person is trying really, really, really hard, 
to like be your best friend. Mm. And that can be so weird when you don't have that like immediate spark with that person. Or like chemistry. Or, yeah, or yeah. or when they expect to be able to be as close to you as everybody else in your life mm-hmm. who you've known for 10 years or you live, you, with. you live with and you spend all of your time with. Yeah. And then like even when he's with Spinel and with everybody else, yeah. like he's being a dick to her. Yeah. But sh- I don't know. I mean, it's it's a really complex thing to talk about in a kid's show. Because he also has to deal with the fact that like, yeah, she doesn't remember. Right. But it's hard to be compassionate towards someone who well is like, is actively hurt, destroying yeah, the world. He's still trying to undo what she friends. did. Yeah. The thing that I think they tackle really well here is like that turn from like really trying really, really hard to like immediately turning on that and becoming very paranoid about like you're gonna leave me again mm-hmm. and that's gonna happen and I know it's gonna happen because I've seen it happen before. Mm-hmm just assuming his intention. Mm-hmm. I think that that's just like part of this very toxic relationship that they have. Yeah. That the part in the episode where she turns from like, she's gone to her second form again. Mm-hmm. Steven has convinced her to come back to the world and help him save the world and then be friends with everybody. And she like gets really, really paranoid when he sees him with other people and assumes and tells him what he's going to do. She has this whole thing where she's like, you're going to set me back and you're going to do this and you're going to do this and you're going to do this. And it's like really, really presumptuous about Steven's intentions, all Mm -hmm. things that we know he wouldn't do. Mm -hmm. Like it's not intentional on her part to manipulate him. Yeah. To be that way. But she's just been hurt so many times that she just feels like that's inevitable. It was just for 6,000. Yeah. It was a long (laughs) Every time, yeah. every day that she spent there was a time she was hurt. <laughs> so it was fair. a lot. Yeah. And I don't know, because like I said, I've been in situations like that. I think that I just have a personality that draws people like that. Like that's happened to me more than three times mm-hmm. in college and in adulthood. And it's like a very hard situation to be in where you're like, I just want to be casual friends with this person. You know, I would like to see them as much as I see my other friends and talk to them as much as I talk to my other friends. Mm -hmm. But then they want to be your best friend or they want to not even just disengage, but like be mad at you or tell you off or tell you how you're doing something wrong. And it's it's very hard as somebody who tries to be nice to everybody and tries to be friends with people. But like the best way to summarize it is that I couldn't give as much as they were giving in that relationship. Mm-hmm. And that's how it is with Spinell too. Like she wants to give and give and give and give and give constantly and be the center of attention for Steven. And he can't do that. He has to juggle he can't give 50 back. different interpersonal yeah. relationships and he doesn't know her. Yeah. And, and I think that's why like at the end, like he sort of realizes like what Spinell needs is compassion and love. And I know they beat the shit out of her as they're being like, <laughs> you just need, we love you. Like, let us love you. They, they really try and punch talk you in the head. It, yeah. Like one criticism that's been levied against the show by fans mm-hmm. is that Steven's like true pacifist route doesn't always, it's great conceptually for kids to see that. But like when he's dealing with white diamond, like she's like a space Nazi that's done global conquest on an intergalactic level mm. for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Mm-hmm. And he's like, We'll be friends. And then with Spinell, he like forgives her so easily mm. and, it, and wants to bring her into the fold. Mm-hmm. But like the world is going to be destroyed. And he like accepts her onto the team again at the end and like 
is okay with her and forgives her and everything is okay. But it's like, we just saw Beach City get actively destroyed for two hours. People almost died and nobody died. And she wanted to do that the entire world. So here's the thing. I think that the fact that like Spinell decides that she can't have a relationship with Steven and his friends is an important factor. I think saying that the show handles those dynamics irresponsibly, because that's what I've seen is like people are like, well, you can't like deal with fascists with like talking to them. You can't convince those kinds of people that were people. That's not usually how it works. That's not how people are. Right. But I think the show is a very like optimistic place. And I think it's for kids. And I think it has like at the center of it, it's really about interpersonal relationships and how to grow and how to fix those and how to make those strong more so than it is about a global scale of a like global she was literally scale trying of she was literally Hitler. Right. Like obviously White Diamond is supposed to represent something bigger, but like in the reality of the show, it's really more about her relationship with Steven and her relationship with herself. Right. And that's the whole thing is like, it's about her flaws. That's why she feels like she has to fix people. Everything in the show, even though it's like these big ideas and even though it's like this grand scheme of an entire universe, I feel like it's really made to represent people and their dynamics with each other. And it's really to teach kids like, how to be compassionate towards other people that are different than you and who have flaws and who lash out and how to like, you know, not hold that against yourself and how to not internalize other people like not liking you or other people like trying to push things on you and being able to like stand up in the face of that and be like, no, this is who I am. I really, really love the movie. I loved the movie. It just, it just encapsulates so much of what the show is. Yeah. All the characters have so much depth to them and everything, but it's really nice to see this new status quo established where, like, Lapis is happy and helps everybody. No, she's happy in the movie. Like, every time we see her, she's like, 86.7%? Let's do it. Come on, guys. Like, that's not like Peridot. I don't care. And, like, everybody is just getting along and, like, a lot of their, like, interpersonal relationships have become so healthy as the show went on because they dealt with a lot of the things that they had going on. Yeah. Like Pearl's codependence and And also tragic gayness. Yeah. Her <laughs> and tragic now she has a girlfriend. It's great. Yeah. Herself. <laughs> she is her own girlfriend and yeah. thus she has found happiness. <laughs> Amethyst feeling like she's well, never gonna like, be enough or you know, anything in the show. The whole show. Oh my God. Can we talk about Stag for a second? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. The fusion of Stephen and Greg. Yes. Which is wild. Which is the most beautiful fucking thing. That's, that's my favorite song. It's, it's kind of incredible. I think I told you about this already, but like, I realized that one of Greg's like earliest arcs is that he wanted to be able to fuse with Rose. Yeah. And like, that was one of the first things he wanted to do when he met the crystal gems and like, didn't get to do it for when he knew her in like the eighties. Yeah, and then Greg gets to, like, fuse with Steven, and that's really, like, really, really cool, and he becomes a hot, sexy rock star, and that's pretty sick. That whole thing is, like, independent together. Right. And that's so much of, like, Pearl and all of the Crystal Gems and everyone in that show is, like, learning how to be themselves and how to be independent, but also, like, love each other and rely on each other for when they need that, you know, when they need that support but also like be able to be their own person and be able to like love themselves. 
And that's right. that's why that's my favorite song. And also of all time in the show, it's one of oh, my favorites. Okay. I thought you meant just in the world. Well, also that, but I, I just I really love it. And also, yeah, like Ted, the voice Ted Leo actor does so really great. Good. Yeah, Ted Leo plays yeah. Dick. It was just so he's so good. good, and he's like just this perfect like it is Steven and it is Greg. That's what they've always done so well with like the fusions voice actors. But he just sounds like an older Steven. He also he, sounds like he Greg. does sound like both of them, but he really sounds like an older Steven. I just think it's so funny because neither of them are particularly fit. Right. And he's just jacked. <laughs> just four huge, just rippling jacked arms. arms eight rippling packs. abs. Yeah. <laughs> eight packs. A full multiple. head of hair. Yeah. Well, Steven has a full head of hair. Yeah. Yeah. And then he's got Greg's luscious length. <laughs> yeah. What a combo. What, his penis? What was his tan? No, Mia. I'm not talking about his penis. No. <laughs> I love that song so much. And then like, oh my God, fucking Garnet's like refusion song is so good. Right. And them at the end, like when they're like beating Spinel up, like their song at the end and like the whole, like the fact that they give Spinel to the diamonds, which makes sense because they're like, it, cause- it does make sense in a very uncomplex, like we're writing everything into a happy ending way. They are very codependent. Yeah. And she is very codependent. Like, I'm scared for the future of that, but I don't think they're really going to deal with that much. But, like, that's not going to work out realistically. But that's, I mean, they are filling the holes in the lives that they're looking for because they yeah. are looking for some remnant of pink. Absolutely, they can pay a lot of attention to her. And Spinel needs someone who can pay a lot of attention to her. Yeah, that's true. Like, she needs a lot of love, and she's got three different people who miss someone, and here's this person, but here's, like, this relic of of someone that they deeply, deeply miss that, like, they can just have around all the time, who wants to be around them all the time. Right, exactly. You know? And I think that's like a, a neat ending. And I think they, they introduced it really well with like the diamonds wanting Steven around. Yeah. And the way that they like put all of the motifs from all the songs together, it's yeah. in a very musical way, you know, like putting Spinell's song and the diamond song from the beginning of the movie yeah. together in that way is just mm-hmm. so good. I loved like the basic plot of the movie being that the crystal gems are set back to base form and Steven has to like help them go through learning all the things that they've already learned before. I don't know. I feel like they just really got their characters down in a way Mm -hmm. that tells you so much about them Mm -hmm. as you're watching the show again. You know, like Amethyst, when she reforms, is just like a mimic. All she does is she just like learns about the world by just like copying what people are doing physically and just repeating what they're saying. And we know that she spent like a couple hundred years in the kindergarten before everybody found her. I think, and that's really sad. Just yeah. Her mimicking birds and just like being like. I think we herself. knew the least about Amethyst. Um, I think so. Yeah. I think like like her past, we knew the least about like where she came from because we saw Garnet's really, really like specifically. Right. Like Garnet talking about her fusion. And we also saw a lot about like Pearl's history. Right. When she was talking about like in flashbacks and stuff. We've seen right, both her of those, and but we haven't together. But we've only really seen like some Amethyst flashbacks. And it also makes sense for like how old Amethyst is because I feel like that was something that was like that I've brought up is like, why did she seem so young in the episode where they meet Greg when like she was already pretty old, but like they probably just 
found her semi recently. Right. Which is I mean, strange. I mean, that's that's her in the show. Her entire arc is that she used to be the baby of the group. Yeah. She used to be the newest and least useful crystal gem. And then Steven came <laughs> along and she was like, good. Now there's somebody else who sucks. And then he <laughs> became more and more powerful. And eventually yeah. she was like, wow, I, it sucks to suck. Mm. It sucks to be the worst crystal gem again. I don't know. It's just now Peridot's her. the worst crystal gem. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even true. Peridot defeated Jasper. Her her song with Steven, the like call and response sort of round song, is just so beautiful. It's so cute. All the all the music, so good. All the music is great. I I've listened to the soundtrack a couple times as well, but I I have trouble listening to Steven Universe music at work because I do tear up frequently. I was listening to Steven Universe. I was inventorying like a storage office space. And like counting notepads and started crying. So I kind of decided that maybe I shouldn't listen to Steven Universe music while I'm at work. Because <laughs> I cry. <laughs> but I always cry. So yeah, that's normal. I'm a crybaby. Yeah. I just appreciated in the movie that they were able to sort of break the boundaries of what they've been able to do in the show as far as violence goes. Like it's not that I want the show to be PG-13 and I want it to be super violent. But like... It really packs a punch when in the final arc of the of season five, like Stephen takes a beating, you know, from the diamonds. And in the movie, Stephen takes a beating and like he's got a bloody nose and like a scuffed up arm. And it's like, wow, like this is a long cry from like season one, Stephen Universe, where he's just kind of like fighting Frybo. This is fun. Yeah. And sometimes it's sad. Mm-hmm. And sometimes he goes through the ringer. But like. There are a lot more stakes. It feels it feels a lot heavier. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess, I don't know if that's a good thing, that like it's constantly a world-ending threat. But I think the show has just become a lot more mature in theme and in that, like, as the show goes on, every episode becomes very plot-heavy. Favorite moment from the movie? You already talked about your favorite song, but did you have like a favorite moment? No, it's moment definitely Stag. It is? It's Stag and Pearl, okay. like, relearning who she is. He's really great. As far as favorite moments go, I really just loved the moment where like Garnet refused for the first time. Ugh. It's just so gorgeous. And I, I cried when I was watching it. And the graphics, like Ugh. the art is so fucking good in like the little like um like really stylized illustrations that they have. Right. Are really, really cute mm-hmm. and like very like minimalist, but very well designed and very pretty. It's just yeah. like so it's so neat and nice and so very, very different from the beginning of the show. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like it's a stark contrast to go from movie quality. Like, I mean, TV movie quality, but it's still movie. Anything else? No, no. OK, I think that's good. Awesome. Well, th- well, Reed, thank you for joining me this week on the podcast in our hallway, in our hallway, in our home. You're welcome for coming into this very warm hallway just for you. Oh, boy. Where can people find you online? Um, my personal Twitter is Shovel Ashley, or my art Twitter is Read Ashley Art. And as always, if you guys want to follow me, I am on Twitter at Stop Tweeting Mia, and um, you know, rate and review the podcast. That really does help, and we haven't gotten any in a little bit. Um, <laughs> I still haven't done that. <laughs> God, you're an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> yeah. As always, I'm your host Mia Marchant, and I'm here if you need to talk. I always thought.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.